Hello and welcome to the Moonshots Podcast. It's episode 194. I'm your co-host, Mike Parsons, and as always, I'm joined by the man himself, Mr. Mark Pearson Freeland. Good morning, Mark. Hey, good morning, Mike. I mean, is it just me or are you feeling just a sense of happiness and uh, pleasure as we're digging into and continuing the current series? Mark, I am feeling all sorts of uh, joy and good vibes as we go to a very, very cool focus for this show. That's right. This is a brand new individual, Mike, who maybe we've referenced on the show, but he's probably an individual that needs not a great deal of introduction. It is the Dalai Lama. And today, listeners and members, we are diving into the Dalai Lama's book, The Art of Happiness, which, Mike, comes at a good uh, third or fourth spot within our happiness series. And I, you know, I'm wondering, maybe we should have begun with the Dalai Lama. He is the man who's all about happiness and spirituality, isn't he? He might be small in stature, but he is certainly a heavyweight when it comes to all things spirituality, happiness, and the search for meaning. Mike, I think it's so cool that we get to do a show on his wonderful book, The Art of Happiness. Mm. Um, it is another twist and turn on this road of a happiness series. And I tell you what, for somebody who has, I tell you what, he has overcome so many challenges and he can still be a beacon for happiness. He's won a Nobel Prize. I mean, come on, this is this is a guy that we can learn from, that mm. we can study. And um, I'm I'm really looking forward to seeing how he can bring just another look at uh, being a little happier every day. How we can find joy, happiness, contentness, meaning, and fulfillment in our lives. I mean, this is a pretty cracking show, Mark. Yeah, I, I think what's really interesting as we uh, dig into today's show with the Dalai Lama is this idea of, of happiness and uh, contentment. You know, he's an individual, like you just said, Mike, who's certainly seen quite a lot of, um, let's say, upset from around the world, as well as his own, his own country, as well as his own people. But invariably, whenever he appears in, in, interviews and he's asked about whether he's happy or not, he always says yes. So I think as we look across this series and we're really searching for what happiness means and maybe how we can achieve it, he is the go-to person who just always has a little smile on his face and he can introduce us to this concept of what happiness is really all about. So, I mean, I can't wait to get in. Yeah, we've got some really nice thoughts from him and from others studying his book, The Art of Happiness. So, um, you know, what a build on um, the books that we've done uh, and the authors and the experts that we've done in happiness so far. We've got more to come after this as well. Mark, where are we going to kick off this journey into The Art of Happiness by the Dalai Lama? Look, listeners and members and Moonshots family, we're going to have to start today's episode with the Dalai Lama himself. He was actually doing a public talk down in Australia in Adelaide. And this first clip we're going to hear from him is all about how we don't need to be a prisoner. I never consider myself as something special. If I consider myself uh, something different from you, like I'm Buddhist, uh, even more, I'm His Holiness Dalai Lama. Uh, 
or even if you consider I am Nobel laureate, then actually you create yourself as a prisoner. I forget these things. I simply consider I am one of the seven billion human beings. We are mentally, emotionally, intellectually, we are same. A point he rather inadvertently proved through an unexpected story about gas. When, when in aeroplane, sometimes this gas problem comes. <laughs> then, you see, difficult to let out. <laughs> so occasionally, you see, look around. Then, then like that. <laughs> it's the ultimate source of uh, satisfaction within ourselves if you do wrong things mainly harming other you get negative consequences if you do helping other bring more happiness to other you get benefit more inner strength there and more sort of confidence of purpose of life and fulfillment about that purpose, then you always feel happy. When we are young, very much alive, this inner value. And we've grown up, particularly the society where not much talking about these values. Only talks if, when we read the newspaper or television, sports or money, <laughs> a number of dollar, <laughs> like that. And all the appetizing, some of, because of the material values. No. no one telling, no one sort of explaining the importance of warm-heartedness. Well, you certainly felt his warm-heartedness mm. in that clip, Mark, and, you know, one of the, having read the the art of happiness so long ago, the thing that really struck out struck me in reading that was that whenever you feel yourself being judgmental or frustrated with others, or you know feeling really kind of negative thoughts towards mm. others, there's this sort of this universal approach of just remembering in the end we're all human beings and kind of therefore puts us on the same team in the end. Yeah. And he talks a lot about like there's goodness in everyone. You just have to go and find it. And I think this is like so helpful uh, to discuss and remind ourselves of right now because we do so much more of our interaction through digital means, be it through chat or video conference. And the thing is that depersonalizes the person on the other side, their text or a visual on your screen. And what we need to remember is they are human beings. And my, one of the things I've noticed is the impact of in-person meetings after two years of semi-lockdown and, and COVID restrictions. When you are with people in person, IRL, right, in real life, 
it is so much easier to remember that they are humans. You can see them, you get the body language, you get that sense of togetherness and connection. And I think coming back to that as sort of a universal truth is not only makes being together with people more of a joy, but also I think it helps you avoid some of those, you know, frustrations that we probably all felt um, over 2020 and 21. Just remembering, hey, in this, in the end, we are all humans, which puts us on a team of 7 billion plus people. I find that a very comforting thought, don't you? Yeah, I, I really, really do. I think this idea of being on the same team and hearing from the Dalai Lama talking about the fact that he's just one of 7 billion people. He, Yes, he might be a Nobel Prize winner and referred to as his holiness, but he's just another human being. He's just another individual. And I think that acceptance or maybe that way of thinking and the observation of it is, like you say, a way that we can collaborate better with each other instead of maybe being, uh, feeling like you've been offended or somebody's been rude to you because of a very short email or uh, a presence on a meeting. When you step back and, and you think, okay, well, this individual is just another human being. Maybe they're a father or a mother or a brother or a sister, and they are just doing their own thing like I am. Suddenly you start realizing, oh, well, I should be conscious of that if I can be. And this is something, Mike, that, that I've tried to do, particularly um, in some of the work that we've done with the Moonshot Show. I'm re- reminded of Mark Manson with the subtle art of not giving a which to be honest, I, I reference on the show quite a lot, Mike, don't I? But he is really talking about this idea of not getting so offended when people say or do something that fundamentally shouldn't upset you. Again, with Jordan Peterson, the um, control that you have over yourself is to um, you know, receive or uh, observe criticism from others in a more um, understanding way. And rather than take a lot of offense at something that somebody says, it's okay, just compare yourself to who you are. And I, yeah. I'm really feeling like that's coming through what the Dalai Lama is referencing when we're talking about happiness. It's that kind of acceptance of everybody else around you is all part of the same being. You and I, our Moonshots listeners, our subscribers and members, we're all part of the same team here. And I think that's kind of empowering, isn't it? It is. And, and it just kind of saves you from falling in those, you know, those nasty <laughs> traps that I think we can all get into where we, we create division through judgment or jealousy or whatever mm. it is. Just let it go. In the end, we're all on the same team. And um, it's, it's not dissimilar, Mark, I would say to all of our members, they are definitely all part of the team, Mark. And I feel like it is just with great excitement, every time we record, we are just seeing new members joining up. So I think, Mark, we should be tipping the hat to all of those new members. I mean, it's perfect that it comes in the happiness series, Mike, because there's nothing that kind of gives you and I and our Moonshots family more happiness than seeing the family grow week by week, day by day. So here to welcome everybody in and give you all a lunar powered dose of good karma, as well as our thanks. Please welcome Bob and Niles, John and Terry, Niall and Marjolin, Ken, Dietmar, Marjan and Connor. 
Rodrigo, Yasmin, Lisa and Sid, Mr. Bonjour and Maria, Paul and Berg, Kalman and David, Joe and Crystal, Evo and Christian, Hurricane Brain, Samuela, Kelly, Barbara, Bob and Andre, Matthew and Eric, Abby and Hosey, Joshua, Chris, Kobe and Damien, Deborah, Gavin, Lasse and Tracy, Steve and Craig, Lauren and Javier, Daniel, Andrew, Ravi and Ivete. I mean, Mike, this is getting longer and longer every single week, isn't it? It is. It's massive. And it's getting harder because um, I think we've got to do a shout out to Avert van der Plusher. Um, Mark did his very best uh, <laughs> to do some Dutch on the show, but I will show off for a brief moment. It's Avert. Uh, big tip of the hat to you. Ahuya uh, Middach to Avert. And uh, we certainly welcome members from all four corners of this planet. And uh, it's a real joy because uh, this many members um, is really a sign that we all want to learn out loud together. It contributes to some of the costs that we have to put this show together, of which there are numerous. I just cannot believe I need so many SaaS subscriptions to publish this show, but it seems (laughs) that we need a good dozen of them. And um, you know, we are now formally at 49 Patreon members, Mark. There was an event uh, that we should mention in a second that happens when we get to 50, but just if the happiness and the good vibes are not enough to get you to become a member as you're listening to our show right now, what we also do for our members is we publish a separate podcast entirely separate podcast where we study the big themes that come up in the show and we pull it all together. And if you become a member, you get to listen to that. That's only available to our members and to our subscribers. So jump in there, get your lunar powered good karma, get your special moonshots master series podcast. And Mark, we get one more member, just one more there is probably an earth-shattering moment in the fashion industry about to happen. That's right. There will be people strutting up and down the streets of uh, Sydney, Adelaide, the London, New York, everyone around the world with moonshots fashion. Because listeners and members, if we get to that big five zero mark, we'll be able to finally get the moonshots store up and running and there'll be merchandise including t-shirts and totes mouse pads and notebooks and all sorts of good stuff which eventually will start rolling out more and more but it really depends on you our members exactly so if you're listening to the show and you want to nudge us to the big 50 come on you can do it head over to moonshots.io click on the members button do the good stuff get the karma get the swag get the merch there are a million and one reasons to jump in there and be part of this because we love learning out loud together and we really begin that process with the mind and we've got a clip coming up now which is really about how we can take this idea of happiness, which is, I have to admit, something I kind of just thought was an end result. But the insight that we've got from The Art of Happiness by the Dalai Lama is that there is training, there is work that you can do. So we're going to have a listen to a YouTube channel called Philosophize Now talking about training the mind. In the first few pages of the book, the Dalai Lama states that the purpose of life is happiness. No matter what an individual seeks, the ultimate goal is a better and happier life, and that this happiness can be achieved through training the mind. 
The first step in training the mind is to identify the sources of happiness and then cultivate these factors which create happiness, such as kindness, compassion, and friendship, and eliminate the factors which create unhappiness, such as anger, hatred, and envy. He also says that happiness can be affected by one state of mind. And then secondly, training the mind for happiness. So how do we go about training the mind for happiness? Well, firstly, we have to learn how our emotions and behaviors affect us and see that negative emotions and behaviors harm us and positive emotions and behaviors benefit us. And then we apply the causal principle. This is the relationship between events and emotions. And then we practice increasing the events which create happiness, such as events which cause you to be compassionate or kind. And then we decrease events which create unhappiness, such as those events which cause you to be angry, selfish, or envious. And because this process can take a bit of time, the Dalai Lama suggests reviewing each day so that you can see your progress daily and over the long run. Okay, Mike, we're hearing some big uh, observations and insights there all around this concept of connecting happiness, uh, contentment, whatever you want to call it, with this idea of proactively practicing a behavior or a mindset every single day. So I think let's dig into that a little bit because I think that's where you and I can really get the most value out of this lesson that Philosophize Now is calling out. And the first tip that he says that he's calling out from The Art of Happiness by the Dalai Lama is to notice and identify the sources of happiness in your life Mm. and therefore allowing yourself to almost cultivate those more and more regularly. And I think for me, that's really... uh, Harking back to some of the work of Eckhart Tolle, who's talking in The Power of Now about observing and noticing those things or those areas that make you happy. Because if you notice and you can identify what makes you happy, you can then see it happening more regularly, can't you? Mm, mm, it's, it's, Mac, it's crazy. Like when in your younger years, did you ever think that you needed to work out your mind for happiness like you might work out your body at the gym did you it, this never dawned on me well yeah i think and think that's a really good call out i think a lot of us and i've certainly done this in the past you expect happiness to arrive on your plate yes Yes. You expect to wake up. It's like Christmas day. You expect to wake up and suddenly, Hey, I feel happy. Or you want a meeting or a conversation to go really well. And then you think, Hey, great. Now I'm happy. Or maybe I reach a certain age and then you're happy. But I think the truth is, as we're learning throughout this series, but specifically today from the Dalai Lama is that these areas, these approaches, these mindsets come with practice. And that it's really, again, just about how you observe and how you, I think, appreciate and maybe have gratitude for a lot of these events of your life and how you interpret them, wouldn't you say? Yeah. So like we're, we're learning that there's a muscle, there's like a happiness muscle Mm. that we have to work in the mind, which in itself seems just a bit odd, but there you go. Um, and, um, I think, you know, in his work, he kind of leads us into a couple of steps that we can do to do that. So let's imagine right now we, we want to do a happiness workout. Well, here's a really basic one. You can say to yourself, well, how could things be worse? 
Mm. Right. So one of the things that I think is really interesting, you can say, okay, am I alive? Am I breathing? Right. Yes. Okay. Can I go and make a nice cup of coffee? Huh. Or imagine if I couldn't, like if you actually build the list, are you sitting in a nice chair? Oh, yes, I am. Do I have the tools to do my work? Yes. Imagine if I did not have these things and so on and so forth. You could actually go through and do a bit of an inventory of all the things that you do have. And this is really important because, you know, a lot of people that we've studied talk about judging yourself only against yourself. And a lot Mm. of unhappiness comes from looking at people who you think are so wildly successful and rich And it turns out that that causes you so much suffering and lack of happiness. Crazy thing is, uh, very often, those that are in these perceived positions of wealth and success often look at those who don't have that wealth of success and saying how nice it would be if my life was as simple as theirs. Mm, (laughs) And those that supposedly have the simple life are looking at the guy going, I wish I had all that. And then they're all looking at each other, envying each other. The reality is things could always be worse, right? Yeah. I think it's, it reminds me, Mike, of the grass is greener on the other side. You know, that old phrase, that old chestnut, as we Mm. say in the UK. And, and I've been guilty of that before where you get yourself into a situation and your mind is kicking in saying, oh, I wish I had that. Right. And maybe it's a car, maybe it's a house, maybe it's a job, whatever it is. And realistically, that item, let's let's say it's a physical thing that you're trying to manifest, Mm -hmm. is not necessarily the route to the happiness or your positive state of mind. You control your mindset, don't you? Only I can control my level of gratitude that I have, like you say, for making a cup of coffee, having the tools around me to do my work properly, having a comfy chair to sit in while you and I record the Moonshot show. Mm. And, and I think that's a really big takeaway that we've found within the Moonshots show and the people that we've studied, and specifically this idea of, of happiness, when we've covered Dan Harris, as well as uh, uh, Tal Ben-Shahar, is this, this gratitude, I think. This mm. gratitude, this observation of what I have around me that I should not take for granted. But to be honest, Mike, I mean, I've taken a lot of things for granted. I don't know about you. Yeah, yeah, totally. I think the other part of this, Mark, is that um, we can look at people like Goggins and Yoko Willink and what they are training us to do is not allow hardship and difficulty uh, to be things that spiral us into negativity. Like I think we're all pretty guilty of like, oh, woe become me, the hardship which I face, right? And oh, mm. uh, I'm I'm pulling the load on my shoulders. Like I, I definitely do that, don't you? Oh yeah, absolutely. I I definitely have fallen into the trap of of you know claiming that I'm really really unhappy because of those sufferings. You know, you want to run away. So conveniently, Mike, we've actually got this next clip from uh, Read and Grow, this great YouTube channel, who again is breaking down one of the key lessons from the Dharma Lama's book, The Art of Happiness. And this time it's all about this idea of suffering and ultimately resilience. So let's hear now from Read and Grow talking about how we should start facing our suffering. Although pain and suffering are universal human phenomena, that doesn't mean we have an easy time accepting them. 
Human beings have devised a vast repertoire of strategies for avoiding having to experience suffering. Sometimes we use external means, medicating our emotional pain with chemicals. Other times we use internal mechanisms, like psychological defenses, that buffer us from feeling too much emotional pain when confronted with problems. Yet suffering can only be avoided temporarily. Sooner or later, we'll have to face it. Accept suffering as a natural fact of human existence and courageously face problems head on. The biggest problems in our lives are the ones that we inevitably have to face, like old age, illness, and death. Trying to avoid our problems or simply not thinking about them may provide temporary relief, but eventually these things will come away. And if you've avoided thinking about them, when the day comes that any of these events occur, it will come as a shock, causing unbearable mental uneasiness. However, if you spend some time thinking about old age, death, and these other unfortunate things, your mind will be much more stable when they do happen, as you have become acquainted with these problems and kinds of suffering, and have anticipated that they will occur. Accept suffering as something quite natural, and it will reduce the feeling of rejection. That feeling that you don't deserve to suffer, that you are a victim. We often add to our pain and suffering by being overly sensitive, overreacting to minor things, and sometimes taking things too personally. Often when problems arise, our outlook becomes narrow. All of our attention may be focused on worrying about the problem, and we may have a sense that we're the only one that is going through such difficulties. This can lead to a kind of self-absorption that can make the problem seem very intense. When this happens, seeing things from a wider perspective can definitely help. Realizing, for instance, that there are many other people who have gone through similar experiences and even worse experiences. If you compare the event with some other greater event, Look at the same problem from a distance. Then it appears smaller and less overwhelming. There are so many places to take this. I think the crazy thing is when you think about suffering and and stress is there's kind of two sides to this. First of all, when something comes our way like a challenge or hardship, we choose to interpret it as a negative. And what we've seen from... Yucca Willink, uh, David Goggins, they're like embracing the hardship. Mm. The other side of this is often when we think about things that are yet to happen is that we are worrying about things that have not actually transpired. In fact, there's this great book uh, called The Worry Cure and part of it, uh, this doctor did this big study and found that like 85% of what we worry about actually never happened. <laughs> I've been guilty of that, Mike. I'm sure oh, you too. have too. Aren't we, aren't, isn't the human brain the most craziest thing on mm. the planet? So, so when, when something challenging comes your way, you can just do yucca willink and he says, and you got to finish this off for me, Mark. He says, problems? Good. Yeah. <laughs> just say, all right, I, I'm going to grow I'm going to overcome this. I will be better for it. And if you're thinking about the future, 
Like, remember this, you're going to fall into the human trap of worrying about things and therefore experiencing stress or anxiety around something that actually hasn't even happened. Well, I I think, Mike, even uh, in the last show that we did on Tal Ben-Shahar, you called out a great quote who I think it was Mark Twain, who says the greatest battles yes. I've ever fought are in my own head. <laughs> well, he's, his choice is they never happened. They never happened. <laughs> Which, and I, 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 well, I think it's really interesting as we're getting into this space of acceptance and observation, uh, it feels almost stoic, doesn't it, Mike? It feels like it there's really a does. wrong holidays work with Marcus Aurelius, meditations coming through here, because it's ultimately about noticing maybe how you react to stuff and not going too far down that line of, of, you know, delaying the suffering for too long, because ultimately it will come for you. Yeah. And, um, you know, there will be times where you need to acknowledge, uh, I'm feeling a certain emotion. Um, like, we can't be like absolutely perfect, but just let it go mm. and make a choice about how you want to respond. Um, and, you know, so many people we have studied, uh, Einstein, Oprah Winfrey, um, Steve Jobs, all encountered uh, great challenge and they used a growth mindset a la Carol Dweck, which we mm. did a show on, which is they chose to grow from it and so much of what we learn from Stoicism and Eckhart Tolle is you can train the mind. You can train this response. You can, and as we're learning today from the Dalai Lama, you can train for happiness. Mm. So this is where when you get really high level, you are the one responsible for your situation and there ain't nobody else. And if you're feeling that you're in uh, a sea of mud, at some point, there is an inflection point where it becomes your choice. Mm. And what we're learning here is if we're not feeling as happy as we'd like to be, that's our choice for where we've been, but it's also great. We can exercise the happiness muscle. We can actually get ourselves out of that and we can train the mind. I think this is a very, very powerful thing for us to embrace because I mean, I certainly found myself much more in this sort of mode during the last couple of years, um, unlike any other time in my life where I'm like, whoa, I got to work on this thing. I got to start journaling more. I got to do breathing and meditation more. Mm. That's been how I've tried to do it. How have you tried to do it, Matt? Yeah, well, I, I think the work, like you say, that we've learned and studied on the show has really, really impacted me, particularly over the last couple of years. And one of the shows and one of the individuals that I remember we studied that I'm really starting to feel a bit of a connection to when we heard that previous clip is Dan Pink, The Power of Regret. Yeah. And his book really, and his studies, his research really pointed out how many of us get to a certain point and maybe look back and the things that you kind of regret are not necessarily things that you've done, but it's more the things that you didn't do. And I think that's quite, that speaks a lot of volumes, particularly as we're thinking about this idea of, of happiness, as well as the connection to suffering. So for me, over the last couple of years, if I found things are maybe a little bit of a challenge, maybe a little bit hard, I try to think from a bigger picture 
I try and step back from the immediacy of feeling that little bit of uncomfort or that little bit of, oh, I don't really want to have to deal with this. Maybe I'll leave it alone. <laughs> uh, and instead taking a step back, taking a breath, maybe going mm. for a walk and just think, okay, well, let's step back for a second. Let's think about this from the bigger picture of maybe my life or mm. my career, or maybe just how I want to be uh, seen by others, or maybe how I want to see myself. And if you think about this, uh, this as, as we heard in that previous clip from Read and Grow, you will eventually run into suffering, whether that's on your deathbed or otherwise. Mm. You're going to be better suited if you are ready for it. I feel like over the last couple of years, practicing a little bit more around looking at moments of discomfort as opportunities to become that little bit more, let's say, battle-hardened. Yes. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Getting under a cold shower, yeah, yeah. Like you and I talk about a lot, or whether it's just observing you know, a difficult conversation or a difficult situation, maybe with work and thinking, okay, well, I'm not going to run away. Maybe what I do is I'll go and work on it. It's something to, to grow from. And I think that's a really positive spin on something that ordinarily we would try and avoid. I think you're right. And, um, training at the gym, training your mind, your mindset and your habits are very good things. I mean, I think the pattern that we've seen through hundreds of shows is that people that really accomplish moonshots, people who do amazing things, they're working on these sorts of things. I think the other thing that they're working on, Mark, is leaving ratings and reviews <laughs> for the Moonshots podcast. That is a guaranteed happiness buzz right there, Mark. Yeah, you're totally right. I mean, if I am uh, listening to the show, Mike, and I'm revisiting The Art of Happiness by the Dalai Lama uh, via Spotify or Apple Podcasts, the thing that I'll be doing is leaving a little bit of compassion and a little bit of um, positivity by popping into that app as I'm walking or running and leaving a rating or a review. Because, Mike, it makes a big difference for getting the moonshots message out there, doesn't it? It helps us get around the globe. It certainly does. So just as you're listening right now, it take you like two minutes, open up your Spotify, your Apple Podcasts, or whatever application you're using to listen to this show. Give us a rating, give us a review. We'd really appreciate it. It helps other people discover what we're doing here, which is learning out loud together to be the best version of ourselves. Okay, so now it's time to turn our minds to another practice, Mark. You know, we've talked about training the mind, facing the things that are coming your way, being a little bit stoic, but there's more for us to do. We've got more homework from the Dalai Lama, don't we? Yeah, that's right. Next clip is all about if we built ourselves up a bit of a foundation and we've started with ourselves training that mind, we're now going to understand the next build, which is about how we externalize it and how we utilize compassion within our relationships. The first aspect in this section is intimacy. So what is intimacy? The author describes intimacy as sharing one's innermost self with another and not holding anything back. So why would you want to create intimate relationships? Well, studies have shown that intimate relationships both promote well-being and counteract loneliness. And these are big problems nowadays. So let's look at a process for creating intimate relationships. This process works for any individual, whether it's a romantic partner, a friend, or a complete stranger. This process has three distinct steps. 
Firstly, establishing compassion. Yeah, you have to understand how the other person is suffering and then try and put yourself in their shoes and show that you care. The second part is respecting the other person's backgrounds and view. And the third part is being honest, open and trying to find common ground. Next, let's look at the value of compassion. So compassion's literal definition means to suffer together. And why would you want to suffer with another individual? Well, studies have found that compassion improves physical and emotional well-being and is therefore a factor that leads to a happier life. The Dalai Lama goes on to split compassion into two types. The first type is the type you feel towards friends and family. This type includes an element of emotional attachment as the feeling of compassion can change if they upset you. The second type is free from attachment and is based on the fact that all beings wish to be free from suffering and can thus be felt for anyone, friend or foe. The second type is stronger, more reliable and has a more profound quality and is not based on outside events. To develop the second type of compassion, you need to regularly experience and understand other people's suffering. This means going to places where people suffer. Or the second option would be to follow the compassion meditation given in the book. Compassion. It sounds like the world could do with a little bit more compassion right now. It seems like everybody is like rushing to judgment. Uh, Everyone's firmly in one corner or the other. And if you listen to that practice, walk in their shoes, understand where they're coming from. Don't rush to judgment. Boy, the world could do a bit Mm. more of that, Mark. I mean, look, to be honest though, Mike, there's been times in my life as well as my working career when I've probably been a little bit judgmental of others. Maybe I've judged them or reacted to them in too sharp of a way because I've forgotten this value of compassion. And I'll tell you what, when somebody else shows me a little bit of compassion, maybe I've had a bad day and somebody smiles at me or holds the door open for me, it makes a big difference. I don't think until you've really experienced it, I suppose, can you appreciate how good that little bit of compassion can be and how much it does impact this big idea of of happiness, wouldn't you say? Yeah. And I think um, a lot of what we have to learn from the Dalai Lama on, on this compassion thing is to turn it back on ourselves. Of course, we want people to be understanding and compassionate of us, right? Mm. That, that, that's, that's a fair statement, wouldn't you say, Mark? I would say. I would right? say. Yeah. Well, well, he's just saying, well, that starts with you being compassionate to them. Because, yeah. like, if you want it yourself, you got to give it first, right? Yeah, exactly. There's a, there's a great quote from, from the book that he says, if you want others to be happy, practice compassion. If you want to be happy, practice compassion. <laughs> <laughs> That is so perfect. Um, And I think like one of the things I try to do is when I feel like someone's pressing my buttons is like, I just like say to myself, okay, Mike, be like Teflon, just let it all Mm. go past. Uh, Don't rush because, you know, there's this ancient thinking of, you know, don't judge others because you have no idea what battles they're facing. Right. So, to me, in the heart of things is what I try to avoid is to be moments where I'm like, WTF, what are they going on about? Just go, okay, chill, Mike. 
be cool, be mm. cool, let it go. Let's just play it out, you know. Um, that for me is how I trained it. How do you try and practice this and do this in your regular day, Mark? Yeah, I, I think we we really have an opportunity to imagine that the people that you interact with are like yourself. So if I am, you know, getting on the bus or if I'm going to the supermarket or whatever it is that I'm doing, I will try and consider that the other person is maybe like me. Maybe they host a show called uh, Moonshots or something else. Maybe they are experiencing some of that same challenge that we heard in the previous clip with regards to suffering. Maybe they have got something much worse than me. And if you can, if I, if I try and put myself a little bit in their shoes, if I try and remember that they themselves have their own problems, as well as maybe they are just as well equipped to deal with those problems as I am, i.e., not very much. <laughs> and, trying, and we're all trying to learn day by day, uh, week by week. Then suddenly it becomes maybe not easier, but a little bit more, it becomes more conscious. The effect of thinking about and talking to those people becomes more of a conscious one. And what I have experienced, particularly uh, over the last couple of years, when people very much kind of step back from one another and we couldn't really interact with each other apart from virtually. What I've now observed is when I'm out and about, people are, I think, a little bit more friendly, maybe is too open a word, but they're a little bit more willing to just smile. They're a little bit more willing to have a bit of a chat. And I think that that comes from having had such a, uh, you know, a lockdown for so long. And for me, when I'm trying to practice that little bit of compassion, try to put myself in their shoes. That's what I try and do because they've all been through those hard times of not seeing each other, not seeing their family, the exact same as I have. Yeah. And look, so I think there's, in terms of compassion, um, let's look at the opposite. Let's truly try and make the case for this because I think um, what I see in meetings, work environments, what I see happening in social and political circles is this incredible uh, lack of a common ground, a lack of understanding of each other. And let's, let's try and make the case on an individual level though. Mm. If you're compassionate to others, they're going to feel good. So that's kind of a net good thing, right? Doing something for others so they feel good, you know, Giving is receiving, right? So, mm. so that's the positive side. But let's do this, Mark. Let's just kind of get down to brass tacks and say why, you know, being judgmental of others and not showing compassion is so bad for the individual. Okay. So if you're always seeing the bad side of people, that is going to like infect us. You know, that, that's going to create a bad vibe around us. But if we are in that negative mindset, that is going to cause stress because we're going to be frustrated with all these people, right? If you're saying she's an idiot, he's an idiot, they're wrong, why, you know, all that kind of stuff, that's going to create, get you into a pretty bad state of mind, right? Oh, well, I mean, negativity breeds negativity, doesn't it? If you're surrounded in 
you know, a, a pool of mud, you're going to feel a little bit bogged down. And again, it comes down to that ownership of how you react to stuff, right? Yes. And so that reaction that you just talked about taking ownership for, if it goes negative and you're looking at the bad in others and judging the bad in others, that will cause you stress because you are saying they're bad, I'm good. This is a net, net negative situation, right? Mm. So what happens is, you, you get you get this stress from that in from that um, disconnect, right? That's right. And what does stress do for you? It it, it attacks your immune system. Uh, you get absolutely knackered, fatigued, depressed, anxious. Like all these bad things come from this. So what I'm trying to do is like connect all these dots and just say, look, if you're not sure about the upside of compassion. The downside of lack of compassion is yeah. pretty bad. And think about this. If someone is always seeing the negative in things, I just want you to imagine in a work environment and you're both in the uh, canteen eating your lunch, are you going to want to go sit next to them? <laughs> you're not. <laughs> Probably not. You know, you want to hang out with people that you share a maybe similar mindset with. But also maybe there's something to learn from. And uh, to be honest, Mike, I mean, if there's somebody who's a little bit miserable or negative, negative specifically, it's going to be more of a challenge, isn't it? Well, you, I, I, the way I experience it, it goes, it feels like, oh, this is going to be such an energy drain, right? Mm -hmm. Oh my gosh. I just can't do, you know, you know, that feeling, oh, I just can't, I just can't talk to them. It's too much. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Because it's a net that they take from you right? That stress Mm. takes from you. So that's hopefully, Mark, uh, we've um, sort of got into that um, to try and find the upside for you, the individual. I love that quote that you had that um, really shows that if you want to be happy, be compassionate, be compassionate others so they can be happy. It's, um, you know, it's one big circular loop of goodness or on the other side, it can all be uh, a little bit stinky or it can get all a little bit nasty, can't it? Yeah, exactly. I think, I think what we're really starting to see from the Dalai Lama with regards to happiness is how much work you need to put in. I loved the um, analogy that you said earlier in the show, Mike, the fact that you have to work on your happiness muscle. Yeah. You have to, you have to really encourage your, your brain, as we heard earlier, the training your mind to receive it, but also this idea of practicing compassion, no matter what mood you're in, maybe you've had the worst morning so far. If you go out and this is true, this is something I've experienced as well. If I've had a pretty stinky morning, I'm not in a great mood. Mm -hmm. But if I go out and I maybe try and do something nice for somebody else, and I don't mean necessarily something over the top, you know, buying them a car or buying them lunch. I, I don't mean even something like that, but it's something as simple as maybe holding the door open, um, maybe moving out of the way on the pavement, uh, maybe just something very, very seemingly unrelevant, irrelevant, mm. right? Mm. Just a very, very small act of kindness, that little bit of compassion can actually make the other person smile. And when that other person smiles, maybe I smile. And then suddenly I realize, oh yeah, you know what? The stress I had earlier, it's not permanent. That, re- that uh, struggle that I might be having with work, it will end. It's yeah. okay. Yeah. And, and I think that's where this, this concept of compassion 
really comes in for me. I, it helps me. And again, going back to something you were saying earlier, it helps me remember that these things will pass, you know, whether it's lockdowns or otherwise it will pass. And when it does, then maybe I get closer to that, that idea, that art of happiness. Yeah, totally. And, and, you know, listen, look, if you want others to be compassionate to you, then you got to show a little compassion yourself. It's a two-way street, isn't it? <laughs> Quid pro quo. <laughs> Mark, we got one more clip from the man himself. Um, why don't you set it up for us and bring us home? That's right. I mean, the Dalai Lama kicks us off today with this idea of uh, ego. So now let's hear a little bit more from the Dalai Lama himself, specifically helping us work towards achieving the big idea of happiness. Very purpose of our life, I usually describe happiness. Reason, the future, even this afternoon, what will happen, do not know. In future, no guarantee, but our life uh, based on hope. Even present some difficulties, still with hope, our life remain. If someone completely lost hope, then that very mental attitude shortened their life. And worst case, even suicide may take place. So therefore, hope means something good. Therefore, the purpose of our life, I usually telling people, Happiness is our sorosity, real meaning of our life. Now, happiness, the materialistic way, happiness only sensory level. Seeing something nice, hearing some beautiful music, and taste, and smell, and touch, including sex. These are materialistic sort of or say the happiness, materialistic level happiness. These are short, not long-lasting happiness. Long-lasting happiness must develop on mental level. Now in this country, uh, one part of Sangha philosophy and then Jain philosophy, Buddhist philosophy, no creator, rather self-creation. So therefore, uh, the concept of karma also come. Everything depends on your own action, positive action, uh, virtuous action bring good, harmful, sinful action bring uh, suffering. That depends on motivation. So in this country, over 3,000 years, our uh, city already examined the ultimate source of happiness, not external, but here. Not sensorial level, but mental level. So practice of shamatha, practice of vipassana, come. So therefore, uh, and you see these things originally come from religious text. Now we should take now these things as an academic subject. Not a religious subject. The, f- the fascinating thing here, Mark, 
is what we heard in the previous show is the fact that there is this great irony that happiness is this sort of universal top priority for everybody, but so little study of it. Mm, mm. <laughs> like I don't see anything in my time at college or high school that focused on this. My son is almost finished high school and is about to go to college and he hasn't done a happiness course. Yet it's our number one thing. That's like, you know, like athletes not training. It's, it's, it's like uh, riders not riding. But the weirdness here is how little we work the mental muscle of happiness, yet that's fundamental to achieving our number one, number two goal in life. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. You, What's going right. on? You know, Tal Ben-Shahar was coming at happiness from a real science and research perspective, wasn't he? 30 years of work. And it was all about this idea of uh, attainment or, or pursuit of happiness. And where he found was this kind of selflessness, wasn't it? Oh, sorry. In fact, it was selffulness that was all around working on yourself. And, and I think it's exactly the same that we're hearing from the Dalai Lama here, which is compassion, work in yourself. It takes time. It isn't immediate. And when you do notice and experience the journey that it takes you along this route of uh, working on your mindset, uh, thinking about it from a long-term or mental perspective rather than this sensorial short-term aspect, happiness, you know, even though it's not something that we necessarily learn about at school, like you say, it's something that we all go out and, and want to achieve. Therefore, you can't expect it to just happen. You're not just going to wake up one day and say, oh yeah, hey, Mike, good news. I'm, I'm, I'm happy. You know, I think it's going to be something that I wake up the following morning because I've done something the night before that has led me towards being happy today. Mm -hmm. Maybe it's the knowledge of recording a good show with moonshots. Maybe it's knowing that I've done enough research for the moonshot show. And therefore I'm happy and confident when I'm getting ready to go into the record. Maybe it's something else. Maybe it's a, a before a race and I've practiced enough. I think it's all about this, this preparation. And as we heard earlier, reflection on the actions and the activities that you do that then ladder up towards uh, the inverted commas ultimate goal of, of happiness. Yeah. And I think one of the most practical tips that we've got from the Dalai Lama in the book, The Art of Happiness, is to reflect on what makes you happy and what makes mm. you unhappy. And so I'm thinking like that can be easily incorporated into a journaling practice, don't you? Oh, 100%. I think uh, as we heard from the, the first couple of clips, this idea of uh, noticing what makes you happy, i.e. gratitude through the act of maybe journaling or even mantras, can then help you identify those moments within your day that, that kind of make you happy. So therefore you don't let it slip by. Mm -hmm. you know, how many times have I, you know, maybe not noticed how blue the sky is. Mm -hmm. And when I then sit down and think, oh, you know what really makes me happy? A nice, beautiful day. Then when there's a beautiful day, now, now if I have put in that little bit of practice, that little bit of mental workout, then I start to notice, oh, look, it's a beautiful day. I know that makes me happy. And I think that's the logical route that we're starting to uncover 
within this series, isn't it? By working on what makes you happy, reflecting on it, journaling, uh, maybe even talking about it, then it becomes a little bit easier to identify it when it next happens. Well, hopefully listening to us break it down has also been a bit of a uh, workout of the happiness muscle. Mark, um, what what's going into your practice tomorrow uh, on this newly acquired skill, which is the art of happiness? I think for me, it's this idea of compassion, this idea of really actively looking at opportunities to demonstrate a little bit of compassion for people who are around me, whether it's family or friends, colleagues, or maybe strangers in the street, demonstrating uh, a little bit of a practice towards, you know, appreciating where they're coming from and maybe showing them a little bit of compassion. Yeah. That, that I think is, is the build that I'm going to take away from today. How mm-hmm. about you? Which, which lesson, which habit is, is really standing out for you? Well, I do relate a lot to like, we're all on the same team. And that was when I read the book years ago, I was like, oh, it's such a good way of just like normalizing the connection, right? Mm. The other thing here is um, just, I I mean, I journal a lot, but Mm. I don't really journal about happiness. Mm. So I think I've got some homework to do, Mark. That sounds like a great bit of homework. (laughs) (laughs) So what a great, great Um, moment that we've had together. And I just want to say thank you to you, Mark. I want to be grateful uh, to you for joining me on this show where we studied uh, the work of the Dalai Lama, the book, The Art of Happiness here on show 194. And I want to say thank you to you, to all of our listeners and our members, because we are flexing some new muscles. And it starts with the work of the man himself, the Dalai Lama and the art of happiness. And he says, don't be a prisoner because in the end, we're all on the same team. And the way you can get towards happiness is training the mind. Take a wider perspective. Remember, things could be a whole lot worse. And when the tough things come, you need to face your suffering. If you do this, you'll be ready to go out and bring the best version of yourself to the world. You can be compassionate to others. And you know what? You'll get a little compassion back. So go out there, achieve happiness, flex the happiness muscle, and you'll be on the best path to realizing what you can be to becoming the best version of yourself. And that's what we are totally about here on the Moonshots podcast. That's a wrap.